Welcome to Backboard Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter's as fresh as Luka Dantich, my friend. I know we talk about him every week. He's my as ferocious as, but this man had a 30-point triple-double, a 43-11-7 game, and still only went 1-1. One one. We need to get this man some help, okay? Who else are we supposed to talk about right now? Luka is the face of the league. You know, yes, Boston is out of their slump that they were on, so we can talk about Jason Tatum and MVP again. But Luka Doncic doing what he does every week is absolutely insane, Matt. Bro, I don't want to hear any talk about anybody for MVP if your name is not Luka Doncic. Like, I'm sorry, Jason Tatum has a good team. He's got Jalen Brown. Um, you know, Jokic has a good team. Jamal Murray, uh, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, they're playing well. I mean, besides Giannis, who's the only superstar in this league who has absolutely no help and has his team in a playoff position? Right, it's why it's why we have Giannis and Luca where we do. You know, you can talk about LeBron doing what he's doing without AD right now, and we can. And he ended my dream a little bit. He put Sacramento in their place a little bit, unfortunately, but you can't stop the B man. Sacramento still in the fourth seed right now. I won't get too excited about you know the purple team. I'll I'll keep it down a little bit today, man. Hey, no, man, you you predicted it. You were all about it this summer. You were trying to convince me that they were going to be, you know, easily a playoff team. And I was thinking, Kevin, come on. There are so many other teams in this league. But, hey, they're doing it. Uh, unfortunately, our Raptors aren't. And it does sound like they're going to trade Gary Trent Jr., unfortunately. But, man, I still want them to dangle Freddie out there. I think you get a little bit more for Freddie. I think Gary fits their timeline. I think it's easier to find a passer than it is a scorer. Uh, but, hey, what do I know? I mean, it, it was a little positive week for the Raptors, but yeah, when we're thinking about that take of yours, it's been it's been said, it's been put out there that Gary is absolutely available, and you know, I was joking with Matt. I'm like, you know, hopefully we'll get a nice trade for Gary, and then Masad's be like, so if we just if we just if we took Gary out, we we put Fred in there, give us an extra pick, we still good? Can we can we still make this happen? You know? Absolutely, my friend. I would love to see that, and you know, we did have some positive signs this week. Uh, playing the Knicks pretty tough and then getting two dubs over, you know, Portland and, and Charlotte. Uh, which one do you want to start with, my friend? Because I know where I want to go. I mean, I'm going to start from the top. We can get out of the way really quickly because we were recording during that game last oh. week. And, you know, we were we were kind of clowning on the boys. Last week was a tough Raptors chat, you know, really kind of bringing it together. But there's a little bit more positivity in the air this week. And even though we lost that Knicks game, it was one that they should have gotten at the end. And... The most important thing about that game, Nurse let Gary Cook at the end of it. Some big shots from Gary were allowed, which is what we were talking about through that whole episode. Yeah, absolutely, man. We were talking about how Nick needs to to ride the players that are actually going. Um, again, Freddie started the game well. He ended up with like 28 points in that one. He's just not as efficient as we would love him to be. And as much as you know, you can attribute that to his shot being maybe off or whatever. I think it's because his legs are really dying in fourth quarters. Honestly, this man does not look like the same player at the end of games as when he starts it. And it shows he's been, you know, one of the top league minutes guys the last two seasons. Nick is running him into the ground. And that goes back to our conversation last week of getting another guard, man. Because we need somebody who can actually take some load off of him and help out. Like, could you imagine if we had Terry Rozier on this team? 
as opposed to Malachi Flynn, like that even would be such an upgrade for our team. It's ridiculous. And, you know, it's fun to have this conversation and know that, you know, there's little bits of improvements here and there. Cause I look at that game against the Hornets, you know, Flynn played 18 minutes. It's not a lot, but it kept the starters down. Fred only played 35. OG had, I think it was 32 minutes. Siakam played 35 as well. So it's like, we're starting to get it. It helps when, you know, Christian Coloco is absolutely going off. Going loco. He played 22 minutes against that Hornets team. But really, it was his performance yeah. against Portland that, that I want to highlight. Because that Portland game was pretty great. Because it was that first game after the conversation where we were talking about we need ball movement. We're talking about how everybody's got to get involved. And I watched Siakam dish some early dimes. I watched Scotty really settle into a different role. And Coloco was just jamming the bucket down. It was really nice to see. That Portland game was fun to watch, which we haven't really had a fun game to watch in a while. Yeah, man. I mean, our team just hasn't been clicking. And you're right. I think over the last few games, the ball movement's been a little bit better. It still kind of feels like when the starters are out there, it's pretty sticky and it's your turn, my turn. But I really have kind of liked what Nick's, Nick's been doing, you know, pulling Gary and Scotty early in games and then letting Gary run the second unit. You know, yeah. it's him and four bench guys and everybody on that unit knows, okay, Gary's the primary option. Gary's the guy that we're looking for to get buckets. And it's really, I think, helping his confidence. He's creating a little bit more for himself in that secondary role. He's getting to the free throw line when it's just him and the bench guys out a little bit more. And really, that's kind of what has been the success of the last two games over Portland and Charlotte is is running that unit has elevated our bench play. And we talked about it last week, man. We were getting seven points a game from the entire bench unit. You know, those guys are playing what, like maybe 10 minutes a game between all of them. I mean, it helps that we have Precious back and now he's like, what? six, seven games back into his re like, you know, reinstallation stint. And he he's playing better. Like you the game against Portland and Charlotte, he yeah. he actually had energy. He's playing well. And so there are some really good positive signs from this team. I just don't know where we stand because at the end of the day, you know, we could win a couple games this week and be in the play in or we could lose them and fall further out. So it's a tough one out, out here, man, in Toronto. It's the scary point of when you're so close to being a 500, you know, team, but also knowing that you're just as close to falling all the way out of the plane and not being relevant. That's the crazy part of the East. Before we get into any type of trade chat, trade chatter with the Raptors, I do want to mention Scotty because we were talking about it beforehand. And, you know, that interview after the Portland game really kind of pulled it all together for me, him talking about how he wants to facilitate, he wants to have the ball moving where he likes it when things are going on. And, you know, you mentioned him taking that, you know, Dennis Rodman-like role, really starting to just do what the team needs, you know, get those rebounds, get the ball moving. Like, it's really happy to watch Scotty find that moment because, Unfortunately for the kid, he's not going to have the opportunity to figure out his shot in-game. You know, We talk about how we want our rookies to get to play through their mistakes. Scotty is too important and is going to play so many important minutes that he can't figure out his shot in-game, but he can do everything else he's super good at. And so shout-out to him in these last two games for really settling in. Well, I mean, like that was the thing about Scotty coming out of the draft, right? Like That's why he wasn't a consensus, consensus top-four pick. That's why it was a shock when he was able to score at the rate that he was able to, you know, like in the second game of last year, we dropped 28 against Boston. 
everyone in the stadium is going, wait, what? We got this at four? Like, he was supposed to be, you know, a great rebounder, a great defender, a great passer, but not a scorer. And I think last year, there was no real expectations of him. He comes in and he, he does play that Dennis Rodman role for us. He did everything that we needed. He was the glue guy. He was the extra help defender. He was the rebounder. He was the no-look throwing dimes, Oof. like running the floor. Like It was awesome to see him play that kind of style. And then this year, we have so much expectation put on him. We want him to be that second year stud we want a you know a superstar level trajectory and you know sometimes development you know is in a straight line it, it there's ups and downs and i think he's figured out he isn't there yet you know those dribble penetration moves that he's trying he's doing a lot less of the last few games he's not as aggressive as i'd like him to be hunting for a shot in the paint and trying to get down low but he's accepted his role and he's really kind of fit in, like you said, and just kind of, he's been that glue guy for us. And that's where he thrives. And if he's thriving, the Raptors are definitely going to be thriving because we have too many good players, like we've talked about before, to be a bad NBA team, man. But parity, you know, definitely clouds the, the picture for everybody. You're not as bad as you think you are, and you're not as good as you think you are. Uh, because it just takes a few key players, uh, you know, even the bench guys, because there's so much talent in this league that it can really change everything. Like we talked about, Precious, man, he's really helped us out. I mean, it's been a lot of positivity, right? And I mentioned that I think a few weeks ago about Scotty's vibe. Like his vibe, I thought, just had been down recently. And we like it when that kid is amped up and, and bringing, bringing that spicy energy that, you know, pulls everyone else around him. So we hope we can see a little bit more of that. But yeah, Precious. Boucher, Coloco, Flynn, everybody's getting some opportunity and they're taking advantage of it. And hopefully this means we can see more of it. I like to see Siakam at 35 minutes. I'd love to see him at 31 minutes a game if we could make that happen. So hopefully the positivity out of these pu- these couple of games has been really good for Nurse. And we can see that continue in the trend because we want that positivity. I'd like us to be above 500. I'd like us to be a playoff team. I'd love if we don't change anything and let the boys run because you know we 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 can we can say it again and again at the beginning of the season we had faith in this team that hasn't gone away we just we've seen way too much bad basketball way too much bad basketball and I think you know like you said Nick is using ten guys he's he's running the bench a little bit deeper now which is which is helping everybody everybody's a little bit fresher at the end of the game so it lets us you know dig in a little bit it's. It's only a small sample size, and that's the, the caveat here. And it's against, you know, Portland and Charlotte. And even after tonight, you know, we're playing Charlotte again. It's, it's not going to be a telltale sign if, if we have improved fully. I'm looking at that back, those back-to-back games in uh, New York and Milwaukee this week as really kind of a barometer. I'm hoping we can beat Atlanta on Saturday because we're only a game back of them. So that would help flip the situation, at least to tie it even if they win tomorrow night and we win tonight. Um, so at the end of the day, there are some real good positive things about this team. And if we can get back to the way that we were playing at the beginning of the season, especially in those fourth quarters, man, like we were one of the best fourth quarter teams in the NBA to start the season 10 games in. And that just kind of disappeared when, you know, the injuries happened. And no team likes to use that as an excuse. No coach likes to let the players off the hook with that. But it it is a part of the game. And, with the again with the parity in the league, 
if the the margin is so razor thin, that could be the the major difference between going on a you know five game six game win streak versus winning two out of ten, right? And I think a lot of it does start at the top as well, right? Having Fred hit those massive back-to-back threes in that Portland game, the emotion that he showed is hopefully part of that confidence booster that we want to see, right? The fact that the boys on the broadcast are talking about they haven't seen Fred be emotional like that since, I'm sorry, playing against Golden State, like, that's crazy to me to think about how big a deal that could be for a man that is getting beat around by the media, getting, you know, thought of negatively by fan bases. Like, everyone is... It's kind of bashing Fred right now, so hopefully that can be positive, and then we don't have to bash him. Yeah, but I mean, it also speaks volumes that like he hit those two important threes against Charlotte in the fourth quarter, and still was only three of ten from the field. Man, like that's not good shooting. But we care a little bit less when he hits the important shots because. At the end of the day, when you think of Fred, I've never thought of him as anything but a kind of clutch player. When those shots are available, when he's open in the fourth quarter, like, I want Fred to be shooting that three. It's either him or OG for me in terms of those guys that I really want taking a, you know, a a catch-and-shoot shot. Um, Obviously, Siakam's going to be the one who creates it because, like, I, I don't know, man. I can't say enough about this guy being an all-star level LNBA level player this year. And like, he's got to create for everybody, but man, like give me, give me OG or Fred hitting those shots. And even Gary now, like I like what we have, right? And shout out to OG as well. Going, I'm sorry, six for seven from three in that game against the Hornets. Again, it's the Hornets. He's going to have those opportunities, but that's kind of what OG needs, right? Like, Everyone's talking about how OG's in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation. Cool, we know that about him. What actually matters is he's knocking down his shots when they're taken and when they're available for him. Because OG has the best has the best line ever. I ain't shooting to miss. Like we love we love that about OG. So when that confidence is up, when you can have a game like that, you know the sky's the limit for a kid like that. Yeah. No. Absolutely, man. And hopefully this is just you know, the start of an of an early turnaround that the, the Raptors really pick it up here for the rest of January. We were a second-half team last year. I know we've mentioned that before. And so hopefully we can be a second-half team again, you know, enter the playoffs with some good momentum and see if we can make some noise and win a round. But, you know, again, at the end of the day, I think that with Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam as your two best players, our ceiling is the second round of the playoffs. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I love Freddie's leadership, but he isn't a top 15 guard in this league. You know, it, it, he just isn't. And Pascal Siakam, he might be a top 15 NBA player, but his leadership is lacking. And I know everybody, you know, looked at that, you know, after practice play with him and Coloco, and, you know, they're from the same town and, you know, they're buddies and stuff. But I don't love that he kicked the rookie out of the scrum for himself. It shows and underscores who he kind of is. And what I've been saying over the two years that we've been doing this podcast, man, is that he is a me kind of player. And unless you are a top three guy in this NBA, undoubtedly, you can't be a me guy. And even if you look at the top three players in the NBA right now, like, let's go with Luka, Giannis, and Jokic. Let's say those are the top three at the moment. 
None of them are particularly selfish. I mean, you could say Luca plays a very heliocentric style of basketball, but as we've noted, who are you passing to? Christian or Christian Wood, Spencer Dinwiddie? Like, like, come on! Like, Jokic utilizes his teammates on a consistent basis. Giannis is actually kind of clowned in the media sometimes for being overly passive right and he himself says that his greatest skill is his passing you know so you can't you can't be a me guy and i think that unfortunately at the head of our snake we've got a me guy and just not strong enough of a guard to really rein him in when he needs to and and I'm on the same board with Matt here. You know, I, the the moment with Coloco, initially I wasn't that worried about because I was like, you know, they're they're two buddies from Cameroon making that joke together. It's fine. And then I saw the the zoom in camera angle of Coloco just sitting against the wall, just kind of having that like, man, this sucks look on his face. And then I, it kind of it kind of brought it full circle to me. And I was like, okay, maybe not the the jokier situation that I thought it is. And you know, the Raptors have been in this situation, right? We've been in a, in a situation where we have at least one all-star, where we have two guys that are, when playing at their peak, all-star capable. And if I have to say it again, like, it looks like we're in that trade for the potential future. And Siakam's proved that he could be a number two. We've seen that to very successful championship. Now, obviously, there was some dagger shots from Fred Van Vliet that happened there, but we know Gary can do that. OG didn't get to play at all in any of those games. So, like, you look at the building blocks that you need to truly win a championship, to create a championship-compending team, and, you know, we're close. We're really close, but if Siakam and Fred can't be the true number ones, the true leader that you need, like, maybe we need to trade for that true superstar, and then, you know, Kyle comes back on a $1 million deer just to be the quote-unquote voice in the locker room for us, like, the options are and there. Just make we him just a player to, coach. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing. Fred, Fred, player coach, Kyle, player coach. We, we kind of want them in in a couple of years, right? Well, man, I I keep Freddie on the court. If uh, Kyle's in the in the locker room, kind of teaching everybody what to do. I think Fred Van Vliet played his best basketball when Kyle Lowry was on the bench. Yeah, you know, kind of in his ear, telling him what to do, when to do it, how to play. And I think Freddie kind of misses that veteran presence a little bit. He is the vet now. And I understand that he's been in the NBA for what, like six years, but it, there's a lot, there's a big difference between an undrafted yeah. player who made it this far and Kyle Lowry, who when he was at his peak, I think it, it was hard to argue against him being a top 10 guard in the NBA. Oh, very hard, very hard. And the fact right? that he had to revitalize his career the way that he did the fact that you go from being almost traded away to becoming a franchise groat, basically, like, that is such an interesting storyline. And yeah, Fred has his crazy story as well, but there's so much that you have to overcome in this NBA. And when you think about this front office, their job is to build a championship. Their job is to get wins for their fan base, for their coaching staff, for everything that they have to deal with, for the owners as well, right? Like, so the job is look at the pieces you have, move them around the board until you find your radio championship. And we know that that's the Raptors focus, whether they get there or not, that doesn't matter. The focus is still the same. Yeah. And, and that's what you hope from a franchise, right? Like it's championship or we didn't, we didn't have a good season. And that's the mentality that we like to keep um, even in, you know, a rebuilding phase, right? Cause that's really where we are. Last year we overachieved 36 wins was our projected win total. So 
The fact that we got 48, I think, raised expectations really quickly. Um, and again, if, if we make the playoffs, if we win 45 games this year, which is still very plausible, like that's a good season for the Raptors. And if they can win around, great. If not, man, and this is kind of where I'm at with the team, we don't need to make trades. But making a drastic trade to kind of change the trajectory of our franchise where maybe we do take a step back this year, maybe we go get a top four pick, a top two pick, hopefully, if we could. Um, Because, man, I think Scoot Henderson is the answer for us. And you just don't come across those players on the open market. You can't trade for them. It's going to be impossible to pry Shea out of OKC with what he's doing right now this year. So we've got to find a way to get an elite guard or else having an elite wing player, as good as Siakam is, only takes you so far. And the other part to add to that is, right, like we look what Scotty has done. Even if, which we know this won't happen, and please don't happen, even if Scotty stays the exact player he is for the rest of his career, it was still worth it for where we took him there. It's a hard thing to say because we know he's going to become better and if the opportunity is there for him to be better. But even if he just is like a Draymond Green-esque player, a Dennis Rodman-esque player for us, and that allows us to build what we do, it's still a successful moment. But a player like Scoot, if we can get as far down as we can, right, the potential is just limitless there and it opens up the future. And you're right, we are in a retool, we are in a rebuild, we are looking for the future, we're not trying to win right now. Last season, overachieving made us kind of think that maybe we could win right now, but, you know, the realist inside me looks at the rest of the East and knows where we stand. Absolutely, my friend, and unfortunately, that's just the, that's just the case of where we are. So hopefully, you know, we have a good week this week, you know, even a 2-2 two and two week would be good for us at this point. Um, but we do need to make up ground because the trade deadline is coming and we need to make some decisions on some key players. Again, though, I don't think we're giving away Gary Trent Jr. for nothing, right? Like, you look at Anthony Simons, and yes, Anthony's having a better season than him, but Fred, or Gary's had better seasons than him in the past. What is Anthony Simons worth on the open market? Probably two first-round picks? Right. At the least? Most. At least, I think. I think he's probably worth two first-round picks and, like, uh, like a a bench player. And this is and this is the chaos of the current trade market, right? Of, of where everything stands because of the Rudy Gobert situation, because of so many other things. But no, I, I think you got a valid point there, and and I hope we don't oh. trade away Gary for scraps for sure. Yeah, like I I don't even want a first round pick for Gary because at the end of the day, if that first round pick is in the fifteen to thirty range, like Gary's the kind of player that you hope to get in that that range a microwave scorer off the bench who could be a six man of the year like I know we're starting him but that's kind of the role that he's playing with that bench unit right now and I think that's the correct unit and if we have to start him just so that he has you know the at the beginning of the game he gets to have his name out there and whatever pull him two minutes in pull him three minutes in I, I like that strategy and have him run the second unit because I think that between him and Siakam, both are a little bit too ball dominant. And when they're on the court together, they don't necessarily work all that well. With, you know, Gary out there with the bench, man, it's been working. And let's hopefully, let's ride this out. Let's get some better play. Like you said, Coloco's playing a lot better. He's not fouling. He's being utilized better. 
So, hey, man, I'm I'm all for it. The little experiments are working out, and I don't want us to just be in the same boat as we were in the offseason. Like, oh, we could trade OG Ananobi for the seventh pick. The player could be as good. They could even be as good as OG Ananobi. Like, are we going to do this with Gary? Like, are we just going to do this again? But that's pretty much that's pretty much all I got for Raptors chat. There's nothing else that I really need to do, my friend, if you're ready to, to move on to the rest of the NBA. I'm I'm ready to move on. I just want to say, you know, like Shane Sharp is is a, looking like a great rookie, but like again, probably his ceiling is OG Ananobi. Like, how we have him? Uh, too funny. All right, so switching into the NBA now, I think we have to stock start with Kevin Durant. I think we have to start with the Brooklyn Nets because you know MCL injury Sunday versus Miami. They're gonna reevaluate in two weeks. We'll see what it does for him. It's his other like his other leg, not the one that had the previous injury. So that's the good news. But I can't believe the Nets were 18 of 20 wins going before this injury. Like I knew they were on a roll, but man, they are really on a roll. 14 and one in their last 15, man. Like that is, it is hype. And um, that's the good thing for them, right? Like, yes, this Kevin Durant injury is, is brutal and it sucks. Um, but hey, they've got some, they've got some leeway. They've got, you know, a bigger cushion and they've got a little bit of continuity now. At least they know what they should look like when they are playing really good basketball. So even if he misses, you know, what, like 20, 30 games here, when he comes back, they'll still have about, you know, a 10, 15 game runway to the playoffs. And hopefully they just kind of get back into that groove and, and Kevin Durant fits right back in. I mean, the man had an Achilles injury like that normally ends people's career, and he came back looking just as good as Kevin Durant ever did. Um, just one quick thing about that, though, because, you know, LeBron's kind of hurt now. He's taking some games for some rest. Um, some people are calling it injury. People clown him and say, you know, father time's coming for him. Like, this man is hurt. This man is four years older than Kevin Durant, and is way more durable, bro. Like... Kevin Durant gets hurt way more often. Nobody talks about Kevin Durant. Steph Curry, I know he came back from injury and had 24 points against Phoenix, but man, like, he's more injured than than LeBron. Like, why do we all hate LeBron so much, media? Like, I get it. He's taking away from Michael Jordan's legacy. He is the new GOAT, and y'all are too upset about it. But at the end of the day, credit where credit is due. This man is Sweet, okay? Absolutely. Nice with it. We'll get to the Lakers, so the Lakers have been doing well. But, man, it's <laughs> it's the truth of the NBA right now. There's there's injuries that are really causing issues. And the good news for Brooklyn is they have a full-time Kyrie Irving right now who can go off and be the lead for this team. Ben yeah, like Simmons, he's full-time. He's, he's a full-time player right now. That's the truth of it. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's where we are now. First so, yeah. time in four or five years. Oh, my God, exactly. But also, like, is this just another year where Kevin Durant doesn't get to play in the All-Star game? Like, how does this keep happening over and over and over again? Seriously. Hey, hey man, we talked about, you know, like, Giannis, Embiid, Tatum, KD. One of them couldn't start. <laughs> so, I, I, guess, I guess we know. <laughs> the basketball gods made the decision for us. For us. Oh, my God. Yeah, but so, so yeah, Brooklyn's going to be fine. The fact that they have a 14-game cushion, basically, above 500, like, they're going to be fine. And hopefully it's it's only 15 games. You know, hopefully it's not that 20, 30-game mark that we're looking at. But you don't have to worry about Brooklyn right now. They've settled in. They're looking pretty good after the Steve Nash firing. Brooklyn is on pace to 
to probably be a top four seed regardless of how this injury affects them. Hey man, leadership is a major part in this NBA world, right? Like not having the right leader for the players or having the players tune out the leader is what we're talking about with Nick Nurse, right? Like that's what we're thinking, you know, would spark our team because just like Brooklyn had too much talent to be that bad, we have too much talent to be that bad. And no, we don't have the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons star, quote-unquote, star power. But I think if you did a redraft of that Ben Simmons draft, Siakam would probably go ahead of him, you know? I, I think you got probably Jalen Brown at one because you got more of a runway than Siakam. Yeah. Then you probably take in Siakam or Brandon Ingram, you know, depending on who you favor. You know, if you want to go younger, a little, you know, not, not as good yet, but could potentially be there. Or Siakam, who's the established superstar. True. And then you're going Ben Simmons, man. Like, Ben Simmons is the fourth pick in that draft, and, and it's not really close. So. And the fact that we can at least say that, because Ben Simmons could have been gone. He could have been retired from the NBA. He could have been out of the spotlight. But he's come back, and he's, he's settled into a pretty consistent solid role for Brooklyn and you know I'll do a quick reminder to get a good chuckle out of Matt you know he was my defensive player of the year pick you know at the beginning of the season and that was specifically because I expected him to settle in and learn to play the way that he has now I forget that the awards are for an entire year's worth of basketball you know not just the, <laughs> the half a season of defensive like skills that he's going to hey, put man. in for this squad but yeah 60 games he'll probably put in 60 you know 55 games of like defensive player of the year level play like he just, you know, the first 25, he was out here trying to figure out his mentals. And yeah. you know what? Everybody has mental, you know, struggles and everybody deals with that. So I'm really happy that he's he's really figured it out and he's back. Because, like, man, basketball is better when we have better players. Like, that is why our NBA is so great right now is because of the amount of talent that there is, right? We're talking about some of the greatest players to, to end up. I mean, we were talking about it because we both, we both love Kobe, but <laughs> there's at least four guys in the NBA right now besides LeBron who could end up higher than Kobe on the all-time list. And, like, I mean, look, Kobe fans, I love Kobe too, but, like, he was a less efficient Michael Jordan. You can only get so high in the rankings when you're a less efficient than not even the GOAT. Uh, absolutely. Shout out to my buddy Cole for sparking this debate by asking me, you know, I made a comment about LeBron being the GOAT, and he was like, oh, well, what about Kobe? And I was like, Kobe's not on my top. Well, he was like, what? Kobe's my GOAT? And I was like, okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. That's a conversation for another day, but let's talk about LeBron a little bit. Let's talk about this Lakers squad that seemingly is coming back to relevance now. The important thing that you have to remember about this Lakers team is that they have a one Russell Westbrook on this squad. And if you have not been paying attention to the NBA in the past few years, you have not been seeing Russell go from being clowned the first day of the season to finding his way to being a successful and dominant player on his team come the end of it. And I'm sorry, Russell is one of the most important pieces of this Lakers squad right now. It looks like they're not just going to be trading him and picks away. Man, uh, as a huge Russell Westbrook fan, as a guy who, like, literally would only pick the Oklahoma City Thunders so I could play with Russell Westbrook, like, I am so happy. Because you think back to the 2016 season, I think it was 2016 when he averaged, like, that triple-double and won the, the MVP, the first one. A 30-10-10 game was, like, almost, like, nonchalant, what? like, oh, 
ho-hum Russell Westbrook. Like, this man was doing so much and was so good and dragging this team and then, you know, goes to the Houston Rockets and James Harden situation and then he gets traded to the Washington Wizards and then he's going to the LA and his name is just getting dragged through the mud. Like, you guys know that this man is one of for me, at least one of the top 75 players of all time. This man, I, I don't know if he was on the list. I, I don't remember the entire list at the moment, but he should have been on it. How many guys besides him average a triple-double for a season? And this man did it three straight years. Like, how many guys can drag an inept team into the playoffs as a guard, right? Like, we've seen centers do it. We've seen forwards do it. But as a guard... Like, where you carry the entire load of the offense and you're rebounding? Like, this man was so special. So, shout out to Russ, man. He's been playing some great basketball. He's really, like you said, he's embraced his role. He's he's hitting his shots. He's back to being confident. Like, I knew he was never that bad of a shooter. I, like, everyone clowns him, yes, for his career. He's not an amazing shooter. But he was never garbage. He could hit threes. He could shoot well. He was good. Like, come on, you don't go from being an MVP superstar to being the worst player in the league. And that's kind of what happened to him. So, you know, shout out to Russ, man. Gotta love that, man. It's a great feeling. And when you think about players in this league, like, historically, people are remembered for winning championships, for having greatness. There are very few people who are put on, like, the true pantheon of greatness without having won a championship and are remembered years and years and years after they stop playing. Nobody's going to forget Russell Westbrook. He is absolutely a massive part of NBA history. What he did in those years is, is, is incomparable. It's untouchable. It's unthinkable. And yes, we have the NBA right now where Luke is doing that every night if he wants to, where we're seeing these constant 50-plus games here. We're seeing Jokic do all these triple-doubles. Like, it's, it's all inspired by Russ. Like, even if it isn't inspired by Russ, how many yeah. of these players, how many kids right now Look at not Steph Curry for his shooting, but Russ because of his all-around game. So yeah, you got to give the man his credit, and this is what we want. This is what we wanted for Russ. You know, getting to join LeBron, getting to join this Lakers squad. We wanted him to have a chance at a championship so he could have a greater legacy. And well, we don't expect this Lakers team to be getting a championship anytime soon, especially with the you know the Anthony Davis injuries. At least there's good basketball, and they're not just getting clowned in the media. That's what we're happy about, you know. Hey man, they went on a five game win streak. The fact that they're still Crazy. like three, four games below five hundred though is kind of bad. Um, it really goes to show you that like that start to their season really sunk their ship. And I think, you know, the whole kind of talk over the off season was you need to make the trade just so that you don't have that kind of start. And while you know, Rob Plinka might be validated by the fact that Russell Westbrook is playing so well now and that it was a good idea to keep him. I think that start and trying to figure it out on the fly really sunk their ship. Yeah. We'll see if AD can get healthy and back. You know, if LeBron can continue to play at this unprecedented level for a 38-year-old. I mean, like, you look at year 20 points per game and it's like Carl Malone, like 3.7, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, like 6. Kobe Bryant, I think, was at, like, 15. And then you got LeBron averaging almost 38 and 7. Like, what is going on? This man is still in his prime, okay? <laughs> like, so, 
they definitely have a have a good enough, you know, three with Russell Westbrook playing this way. I like Lonnie Walker. Austin Reeves isn't great, but at least he can hit shots. Like if they could take Kendrick Nunn and Patrick Beverly and those two first round picks, like not that you can scout for them because they're like in grade six at the moment. <laughs> um, like if you could take that and get anything like Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, like even just one of them, bro, would help this team out. To shout out to my boy Thomas Bryant too. That man, he's he's earned himself a big pay raise next year. This man's gonna go from league minimum to at least fifteen mil a mil a year. I'm serious, bro. Uh, Walking double doubles get paid, bro. Four bands get paid, absolutely. And and you know, you kind of want it for LeBron. Like you're sitting here and you're kind of you know, I was talking with the, the reason why Cole was talking with the goat debate was we were talking about this idea of how like, you know, in the NBA, when was the last time a, a seventh seed or an eighth seed actually went anywhere? The We Believe Warriors. Like, when did we not have the Final Four be a top one, two, three, or four seed? Right. Like, it's almost getting predictable. And if anyone is going to change that up, if anyone is going to you know flip the narrative on his head, it's it's LeBron James coming in as you know the seventh seed Lakers somehow pulling out miracles. And it would be beautiful, but man, we are talking pure fantasy right now. Like, I gotta sell a thousand copies of this book to even break even. Like, I just don't. It just it can't happen. There's. It would be un. It would be unreal if it did. And like you said, if anybody could do it, it would be our boy LeBron James. Because you know, three one had never happened before either until that man in an NBA Finals. So, hey, anything's possible when you believe in LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, looking at the rest of the West, not much has really changed since our conversation last week. You know, the the Kings bumped up a little bit. The yeah, the maps the just kind there. of existed. That's what it is. But everything else is is pretty much static. There's there's nothing in the West that you know really piques my interest to talk about. Hey man, I mean Golden State's kind of getting there. Phoenix and and Golden State. I mean, how the mighty from last year have have kind of fallen into those plans. It's unfortunate for those guys. Man, your Grizzlies on an eight-game win streak. Uh, Stephen A. out here calling them in the NBA Finals probably cursed their their chances at making it there. Ugh. That man can't get a call right to save his life. <laughs> um, but hey, you know, Rockets going for Victor Wembanyama. Maybe Portland going down the hill. Um, I expected them to be bad. They started off so strong, and it's it's really kind of falling apart. And they're they're pretty healthy at the moment. If you think about it, like they, they've got all their guys. They're just not there. It's hard, right? We talked about how, you know, Dame could keep them afloat, but they just don't have enough depth, enough talent. That, and, and I think a team like that, even like they, the boys on the roster almost know that they're almost hanging out, just like riding, riding the coattails of Dame, just kind of getting those W's. But I think the conversation Matt, has to turn to the game of the week. The wildest experience that I've ever read on paper because I didn't watch it. The game of the week. Thankfully, I didn't have to watch this game. Okay, okay. For anyone who isn't aware, OKC and Miami played a game yesterday. And you'd think James Harden was on the roster because, man, the amount of free throws that were shot in this game sets an NBA record. So just on the one side, Miami shot 40 free throws. And the craziest part, they made all 40 of them. Okay, in a game that ends 112-111, Jimmy Butler sinks a free throw to win the game. Oh yeah, he was 23 for 23. And if it's not ironic enough, Oklahoma, they brick two free throws to ice the game right before that. Like, 
man, somebody decided that all of the refs in the world were going to tune in to watch this game because it was a master class in sending people to the line. Oh, bro, don't even get me started. We talk about it almost every week at this point. I can't talk about the refs, man. I just, I can't. I'm done with it. The NBA needs to fix this problem because, bro, it's like, I guess they could do it in the middle of the season now because not a lot of people are that interested, especially like an Oklahoma City, Miami Heat game. Like, who's really, you know, tuning in besides those fans to watch it? Um, but, man, that is, it is just, ugh, I don't know. Next. <laughs> no, okay, so let's to close out our conversation of the week. You know, we can't we can't go through without discussing this because it seems like it's the topic across the NBA right now. Where's the defense? Like we as Raptors fans, we get to watch defense in the NBA, but it seemingly still isn't enough. But for every fifty piece that we see, there's a sixty piece coming around the corner. Where's the defense in the NBA, man? Bro, it's still there. The NBA just needs to expand a little bit because I think there's just too much talent on rosters. Um, like Donovan Mitchell is having a better season than Kobe Bryant's MVP season. Like, and he's he's not even in the top ten for MVP category, right? Like, I could name probably ten guys that are ahead of him, arguably. It's wild. There are so many good players. And there are so many shooters that you have to account for. You know, all the old heads are saying, oh, they don't play defense like they did in the 80s and the 90s. You know, they don't, it's not as physical. It's not as tough. It's like the guys in the 80s and the 90s couldn't pull up from 30 feet and, and nail a shot. And it seems like, you know, there's at least one guy on every NBA team that can pull up and hit a 30-footer. Fred or Gary being one of our guys, you know, we're – middling at best and we've got two of them like Luka Doncic, Steph Curry, John Morant can do it, Desmond Bain can do it like the list goes on and on and on of guys you could just you know spot up so you have to stretch your NBA defense and you can't clog the paint like they're like it's too easy to get to the rim like it was in the the 90s and the 80s well because you can't camp like you have to play you have to rotate you have to move it's a it's a physical fit game now as opposed to you know the big bruisers who used to just sit back there you know step out of the paint every once in a while and knock people down like i i think the nba is better off for it to be honest because the games are more exciting the players are more exciting it's it's kind of a poison pill situation right the beautiful part of the nba game that we're getting to see the the generational change that steph curry has put in place right like on one hand, man, is it beautiful to watch shots go down? But yeah, you have to watch and adapt. You have to you have to learn. And defenses are doing a good job. Like we see these great stretches, right? Like on the one hand, you have that, but then the other hand, you have that great stretch where you know the Rockets couldn't knock down a shot and went like what zero and twenty eight from three. Like this is the chaos of the beauty of the game. Yes, everything is opened up. Yes, there's more three point shots, but. There's always an answer. There's always an answer. The Cornet Contest has become a thing in the NBA. If you haven't seen the Cornet Contest, people, please go look it up. It is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. And apparently it works. Apparently if they can't see the, the, the rim, they can't rim. shoot a shot. Like, that, that's the beauty of it, right? Like, we have to see this, this wonderful evolution. And, you know, I don't like the conversation of creating a four-point line. I don't like the conversation of, of moving the thing back because I don't, I don't think that that is that is concrete. I don't think that is a proper solution, right? Like you talk about expansion, like, yeah, you create, 
more teams, there's less talent, which means that there's more defense that can be played because you don't have to worry about the fifth and sixth guy because they're on, you know, Seattle nowadays instead of being on this team. So we'll see. Man, I think I think it just helps out with the the, the game, you know, and it, it spreads around the talent a little bit more and it makes it more exciting. And at the end of the day, like, it's just, it's a great game to watch. And like you said, the three-point line and the Steph Curry revolution has kind of really affected the way people play because nobody's trying to take a mid-range shot anymore. Nobody is, is looking at a mid-range shot and thinking that that is a good thing to take. Even though... I'm sorry, like, if you're 15 feet away from the basket and nobody's really guarding you, take that shot. Take it, bro. <laughs> like, it's a good shot. Like, it's better than a contested three, but you see so many times that, you know, guys are open for those, hesitate and kick to three, and then they end up taking a contested three. Like, I think the NBA needs to find a better balance, but, hey, man, it's, it's moving in pendulums, and it'll swing back to a little bit of the two-point game. Once they start running people – you know, completely off the line and they really figure out that three-point printer defense. So we'll see how it goes. And I think it's the versatility, you know, that will, will shine through, right? It's having options that shine through. I think about how important the, the pick and pop was with Kyle and Serge, where, you know, they'd set a pick and roll, not above the three-point line, but just below it. That would then get Serge in a position where he's, you know, just right of the free throw line in that spot that he loved to go up for, right? Like it's, it's understanding your team and creating that chemistry and, it's why we talk about wanting every player of our of our roster to get the opportunity to have those minutes. Because when it comes down to it, playoff basketball, it slows down. It gets grindy. And if you don't have options to go to, if you're just doing the same play over and over and over again, a good team's going to figure out. Good players are going to figure it out. The fact that LeBron James can know like half of what the other team's playbook is going to be and there's been clips in the past where he's literally telling a defender, hey, man, you don't have the right coverage right now. Like, that is how intelligent players are in the NBA right now. So you have to be ready, and the shots are going to be there for people to take. So it's just a fun time, right? Like, you can't be mad that shooting is where it is in the NBA. You just have to enjoy it and, and love the beautiful game that we're getting to watch. Yeah, and defense is just harder to play when you have to start guarding from 30 feet out. That's it's just a natural fact. And so... Let's also not forget that there was a time in the NBA when you weren't allowed to leave your defender, where you couldn't yeah. double team. Like let's just let's just you know not look back at what the archaic you know rules used to be in this sport. So let's just be thankful for what we got. And like you think about like when the true explosion of the NBA, like the last time we see we've seen this kind of scoring, like was the '80s, and what happened in the the end of the '70s the ABA folded and there was a huge influx of talent into the NBA. Hmm. 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 Interesting. But yeah, man, it's, it's going to be a good couple of weeks. We're really just, we're, we're waiting for the trade deadline. We're waiting for some things to happen for some spicy changeups, but that's pretty much it this week for me, my friend. Yeah, man. I mean, let's go into some takes. I think, you know, you know, it's, it's football season for you. So I'll, I'll, I'll do the basketball take this week. Um, cause you know, I'm not trying to give betters, you know, the, the absolute guide on how to win the NFL playoffs. Uh, but Milwaukee going four and oh this week, man, I can see it. Unfortunately we play them. They're probably going to beat us on Tuesday. Uh, Milwaukee, man, you know, picking up from where they left off. They had a little bit of a losing streak. They're going to be back on top. Yeah, it's just too good. Like I just, I'm too much of a fan. 
Man, and the rumors that they're looking to make a trade, like, you get a Fred Van Vliet shooter with, you know, Giannis, like, that's a scary situation, but, yes, Matt, he brought it up, it is football season, now, it's not really football season for me, because I'm just, like, a closeted, fake, hilarious football fan, like, maybe one day I'll get to jump through a table with Austin as a, as a Bills fan over here, but, I can't, maybe this year, uh, maybe this year. we'll see in the future, but I can't not pull my predictions at you know matt started this two years ago when somehow i pulled my way into a perfect run and got tom brady another championship i can't not do predictions in football so we're starting easy this week you know <laughs> last year i believed in the Bengals. i got them a good victory so we're gonna we're gonna rinse and repeat that this this might be the easiest take i'm going for but Bengals over ravens it's football season it's playoff season i'm excited my friend here bro i'll, I'll give you the other ones Jacksonville Jaguars over the Chargers, Buffalo Bills over the Miami Dolphins. I'm taking the Vikings over the Giants, and I will take Cowboys over Tom Brady and the the Bucks. Spicy. Um, it's gonna be a good weekend, man. It's gonna be a really good weekend. I think there's another game in the NFC that I'm forgetting about, but like I think it's you know that kind of game where you, you don't Seahawks, really care. Seahawks 49ers. Oh, 49ers, man. I don't even need to predict that one. That's why I forgot about it. I already have the 49ers in the next round, bro. Yeah, exactly. Pete Carroll coming out here already calling them a juggernaut, bro. <laughs> like, I think he's already cushioning the blow. The exactly. Everyone knows what's happening there, but uh, I think that's it. So thanks, everybody, for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up, and check out TheBoardSports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>